0: We all have pressure in our lives and pressure makes diamonds and yet in the heat of a moment that pressure can lead to various ways that we handle a situation either aggressively or bringing out some degree of kindness and that's what Diamond Kind is about hello hello and welcome back to the diamond kine uh podcast uh today we've got a special episode um we had uh stephanie who's one of the doctors at atticus health in hardware lane uh, who we spoke to earlier in the month um and it was on the back of uh, cervical screening and women's health and steph had. also written an article earlier um, in July, and from that we've got a lot of questions. So we thought we'd get Stephanie back on, and so we can ask uh, some of these questions, and so it can benefit lots more people. So without further ado, I will call Steph. Hi Brett, hopefully you
1: can hear me now.
0: Yeah, hey Steph, how you going?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Steph, uh, thanks for um, thanks for being on. Uh, on the Diamond Kind podcast again. Um, let um, wh- so what are you up to at the moment? Tell us, tell every, tell us and tell everyone what you're doing at the moment. Uh, at the mo- right now. Yeah, right now. Where are you? <laughs>
1: I'm actually at home. I'm in New Zealand. Yeah. I'm in Auckland. Um, so this is probably what I would say is my first real trip back home since the pandemic started. Oh, that's um, exciting. I tried to go home um, at the start of June, but um, unfortunately I was not Rona proof. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I got COVID, so I had to isolate the entire time I was here. So I didn't really get to see family back then. So I'm here, um, take two. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, yeah, everything's going well so far. Oh, so that's good. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm enjoying ex- being back home. It's really nice. Yeah,
0: and family and friends are happy to, to have you back. Excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's no, awesome. It's been really good. I'm not planning to do too much. Before,
0: just, just relax. With friends and
1: family, and just relax. Yeah.
0: In. Well, it sounds very yeah. good to me. Uh, Steph, thanks for your time. Um, you know, especially as you, you know, you've gone back to, to New Zealand and you're with the friend with friends and family. And thanks for making the time uh, for us today. It's obviously yeah an important issue, and we've had a lot of questions since your last uh, podcast and an article um, that you wrote back in. Uh, at the start of July as well. So um, what I'll do is I'll just um, ask you some of these questions and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Yeah, no
1: worries. Thanks so for the it.
0: first question was, what is the cervical screening program and why is it important? Um, so
1: this is a great question to start off with but I might just start by explaining what um, screening actually is. Yeah. Um, so the medical sort of definition for screening is really we're checking for disease when there are no symptoms. Um, so what you're doing is you're really taking a group of otherwise healthy individuals um, and checking to see which people in that group may have a higher probability of having or developing a certain disease. Right. In this case, we're talking about cervical cancer. hmm Um, so you know the point is really because when we do these screening tests we might actually find um, disease at an earlier stage and so hopefully that means that there's a better chance of curing the disease Um, at a sort of individual level, um, earlier detection leads to a better chance of curing the disease, Um, but I think it's important to think about it um, at a population or global level as well, so screening programs like um, the one that we have here can be one way of reducing um, the incidence of disease in a large group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, we've, it's really good in Australia where we've had a comprehensive sort of screening program since the early nineties, yeah. um, uh, which already sort of by 2010, we'd managed to have the rate of cervical cancer in women, aged over 25, so it's been really effective. And and how often
0: does Um, that have to be done, Steph?
1: So it used to be done every two years. Mm -hmm. That was what women would have known as um, your pap smear. Um, And that was really looking at changes that had already happened to the cervical cells um whereas sort of in in December 2017 we actually transitioned to a five yearly screening program so now if your results are normal you get the test done every five years Mm -hmm. and that's really because we've got such a great um screening program but also a really good vaccination program as well um the test that the lab does is actually slightly different so um it, it can actually look we're actually looking for the human papillomavirus or the hpv virus which some people might also know as the wart virus yeah um, and then if the lab picks that up then they do the additional tests to go on and look for any changes in the cells. so essentially we can find changes much earlier um and detect this group of um individuals that might be at a higher risk a lot earlier
0: that's great and are you able to just uh well, the listener staff just to describe that uh, procedure?
1: Yeah, of course. So, um, it, you know, uh, it might sound daunting. It's really not. Mm. Basically just arrange, you know, just a, an appointment with your GP like normally would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you come in, we'll discuss things like any previous um, cervical screening or pap smear results, um, yep. whether or not you've had any abnormal results in the past, whether or not yet treatment. We'll also talk about whether you've had any... Um, concerning symptoms. So that might be things like a regular um, vaginal bleeding. We'll go through your obstetric history, any previous pregnancies, any future plans for um, pregnancy Mm -hmm. as well. Then there there might be some personal questions, such as questions about contraception and safe sex. And this is just so that we can understand um, your healthcare needs and work out whether you need any additional tests on the same day. Um, I found that it can be a really great way to discuss other important topics that right. um, patients might have put off discussing. You know, things yeah. like painful or heavy periods, um, problems becoming pregnant, any concerns yeah. about sexually transmitted infections, for example. Yeah. Um, then once we've had this discussion, the next part is an examination, um, and that's when we actually do the cervical screening test. So it's an internal um, exam, which might be a bit uncomfortable, but shouldn't be painful. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it probably takes me more time to set everything up than it does to actually take the sample. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And if someone hasn't had one before, I always run them through the process. And I show them the equipment that we use and make sure that, you know, they're comfortable before before we actually get started. Um, Then once we've, we've, so the part we're looking for here is the cervix. Um, And once we've seen the cervix, I just use a brush to take the sample then goes into a public quiz and that's sent talked to pathology and you usually get your results anywhere sort of between two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, and that's it really. Okay. So if you need an STI test or a test for sexually transmitted infections, we can actually just do it um, on the same sample. At the same time. the lab to run off
0: the same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So it could be like, it's like, an, yeah, like an overall sort of women's health um, consultation in the end. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: And so one of the other questions, Steph, was uh, how is it different to a pap smear?
1: Yeah, i found that sometimes um, women get a little bit confused if they think that they need to do two tests. Um, you don't, so yeah. <laughs> the good news is it's actually pretty much, um, you know, you think of it as, as the same um, procedure, same process. Um, the terms are different, uh, mainly to do with the change in the tests that we're doing at the lab, so, um, you know, in the earlier days, the, as I said, the lab used to look at changes in your cervix, but now what they're looking for um, are much earlier changes to do with the HPV virus. So that's all it is. So you'll find the terms are actually interchangeable mm-hmm. um, uh, to the general public, but doctors will more commonly use cervical screening tests because that's the new sort of formal name for it.
0: Right, okay. Right, Um and so th- the the differences, Steph. So was there? Um, are you able to explain the like the, the differences again in the with the test?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, what we used to look for were any changes that had already happened to your cervical cells. Yeah. Um, and that would indicate to us who might be higher risk of developing cervical cancer, or Mm. perhaps who may already have high-risk changes due to cervical cancer. Um, What we know now uh, is that most cervical cancers are actually caused by HPV, or the human papilloma virus. and so we now have the ability to actually test for the human papillomavirus for hpv itself um, which is great because that means that we can detect this much earlier Um, and we think that really with regular cervical screening tests we can prevent about nine percent of cervical cancers
0: Yeah, yeah um
1: so that's the that's the change there so we used to um, you know look for the changes in the cells that had already happened yeah. but now we can go back one step and actually look for the virus that if left for a while can then cause those changes.
0: Okay that's great and and so you mentioned um, HPV uh, yeah we're just just to explain that again Steph and because uh, that was one of the questions you know what what's HPV and should I I'd be worried about it.
1: Yeah so a common question um, so HPV, or human papillomavirus, is a really common virus. And some people might know of it as the wart virus. So it's a large family of viruses. Some strains will cause the warts that you you might develop on your fingers and toes. Um, Some strains can also cause genital warts. Um, Other strains may be what we call high-risk strains Mm -hmm. um, and can cause changes to the cervix. Um, but the important thing to know really is that HPV, um, in general is extremely common. So I usually describe it as being the common cold of anyone who's ever had sex mm-hmm. in their life. Right. Um, so most, most people who've ever been sexually active, um, and I think it's about you know 80% of these people will, will have actually been infected with some form of HPV mm. sometime in their life. Um, it's a smart virus in that it can remain inactive in your body for a really long time, so mm-hmm. to go to sleep, um, uh, only to wake up or be reactivated some years later. Um, we don't really know why that happens, yeah. um, but what it does mean is that if you do test positive, uh, it, it, it's pretty much impossible for us to tell you when you were actually infected mm-hmm. or who mm-hmm. infected you. Um, and both, both males and um, females can be infected with HPV as well um most most people the infection can actually be cleared naturally by the immune system but this can take a couple of years sometimes right um and if that hpv infection doesn't clear up that's when it may cause your cervical cells to change Mm. and then if left untreated some of these abnormal cells may then develop into cervical cancer
0: okay all right well i guess the lesson there is that it's a It's uh, very common.
1: Extremely common, and most of the time, body will clear it. It's just that there's a subset of some Mm. of the the higher risk HPVs which may then cause those
0: problems. Okay, no, that's great. Uh, Getting back to uh, the cervical screening, um, there was a question about, uh, I heard there have been some recent changes to the way that cervical screening can be done. Are you able to explain some of those recent changes?
1: Yeah, um, so quite exciting, so uh, earlier in the month yep. in July um, they changed the rules so that um, a lot of um, people will actually be able to do their own cervical screening or um, HPV test Yeah. Um, okay. and look there, there's, there's still going to be some people who would prefer the doctor to do it mm-hmm. um, but for others who feel more comfortable doing it themselves this is a real game changer Okay. And hopefully will increase um, the numbers of people actually you know doing the um, regular screening program
0: okay so what w- so what would some of the limitations on that be Steph? someone wanted if to do it not, do the sample on their own
1: not everyone is going to be eligible to do self-collection um, mm-hmm. and the people who won't be eligible uh, basically anyone who has worrying symptoms that might be suggestive of cervical cancer, Um, anyone who has had a previous high grade abnormality that has been treated, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, anyone who is currently being treated for a um, cancerous abnormality. They're the main groups that won't be able to do self-collection. Um, so, they should definitely still see their doctors about doing their cervical screening test.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, that, that makes yeah. sense. The uh,
1: other thing yeah, sorry. to keep in mind yeah. as well that I'll mention is um, the self collection test mm-hmm. looks for HPV. Um, but normally, if the doctor is actually doing your cervical screening, if the lab detects that someone has HPV, They will then go on to actually run the test looking at the cells to check for abnormalities. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing the self collected test, the lab will be able to test for HPV, but it won't be able to proceed beyond that. So, what that means is that if you have HPV detected from a self collected test, you will need to see your doctor who will then do the full um, uh, procedure anyway.
0: Right, okay. So, that's
1: also something to think about.
0: Yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, There was a question about, um, I'll read the question now, Steph. uh, The question was, uh, don't we have a immunization for HPV?
1: Yes, we do. Um, So Australia was actually the first country to introduce a national publicly funded HPV vaccination program. That started in 2007, right? Um, which initially uh, was only for um, females.
0: Yep. Um,
1: but that was followed later on in 2013, um, and when, since then we have vaccinated both males and females. Um, because, as I said, both will actually yeah yeah are able to carry HPV and are able to be infected with HPV, So that makes sense. Um. So our immunisation program is really effective, and it protects against um, a a number of strains of HPV, which we think are actually associated with about 90% of cervical cancers. Right, okay. Um, Yeah. Um, So that's actually available through the National Immunisation Program, and that's usually given between the ages of 12 and 13
0: more than 13 okay um that's great and are you able to just explain a little bit about that program steph in victoria
1: about the immunization program yeah yeah so um usually um often given through the schools um, but if someone has missed out so Mm -hmm. for example during the pandemic You know, it was a lot of remote learning and kids weren't on site. Yeah. Um, You can actually also get that immunisation through the GP. There's also sometimes I see kids who, um, you know, they uh, have a fear of immunisation, so they prefer to actually have it done with their um, family doctor who knows them well. Um, So we can do that in the clinic as well. Um, But essentially... Through the school program. So if you're under 15, um, when you start the HPV immunisation, you get two doses. Mm-hmm. So that's six months apart. If you're over 15, or 15 or over 15, um, then it's the three doses.
0: Right, okay. Yeah, and, and uh, um, I guess in your opinion, Steph, how, how is the program going in, in Victoria?
1: I think it's actually going really well. Um, yep. There's big uptake, um, okay. and we know that it's been really effective um, in reducing, you um, know, the incidence. Um, it's it is a bit tricky though in terms of you know we're on this road to trying to eliminate cervical cancer globally, but in Australia yeah. Yeah. at the forefront. Um, what is difficult, I guess, is that the immunisation is most effective in younger um, people prior to HPV exposure. So it's actually best to have the immunisation before you're sexually active. Right, yeah. Um, but, you know, we know that cervical cancer occurs usually in mid-adult and older women. So mm-hmm. we won't really see the, the full effects for several decades. We won't see the full impact of vaccination. Mm. Um, but, you know, we are already seeing a reduction in the incidence of, Cervical
0: cancer. Oh, that sounds positive. Yeah. Mm. Um, move on to the next question. Uh, what happens if my cervical screening test is abnormal?
1: So, if you get an abnormal test result, um, the next steps will really depend on what um, uh, what degree of abnormality is found on your result. Mm-hmm. So. Some people might just have evidence of the HPV virus with no changes. Right. In which case, because we know that sometimes the body can clear the infection naturally, um, we might just say, "See you later. Come back in twelve months and we'll repeat the test." Um, keeping in mind that at that time, potentially the HPV might be gone. Right. Um, if, for example, you've got you know evidence of HPV and you've got um, a low a a low restraint of HPV, or you've only got low grade changes, Mm -hmm. again, we tend just to monitor um, and Mm -hmm. repeat the test um, at a 12 monthly interval. Um, And there's clear guidelines as to when you then refer someone off, for example, if they still have HPV, you know, in subsequent years, they've still got this low grade change, um, then you may get a referral to a gynecologist for further testing. Yeah, if your result comes back and you've either got high uh, risk strain of HPV or you've got high grade changes, mm-hmm. um, that doesn't, you know, necessarily mean that you've got cervical cancer at all. It just means that you're you've been identified as being in this group of people who are at a higher risk of potentially developing it, and um, will then refer you to uh, a gynaecologist for further assessment.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, w- what would some of the um I guess the possible symptoms or, or um, abnormal cervical cells uh, or cervical cancer what would they what, what would that look like?
1: Um, so that might mean irregular bleeding for example spotting or bleeding in between periods. Mm. Um, it might also mean bleeding when you have sex um, uh, it might also mean pain when you have sex Yeah so those are the things to look out for and and discuss with your doctor if you do notice any of those symptoms
0: okay so and yeah because with these things steph like you know could they be um, obviously caused by things other than um, ca yeah
1: definitely um so you know just because you've noticed these symptoms um doesn't mean that you need to freak out they do need to be discussed and they need to be investigated Properly, Mm.
0: Um,
1: but there are lots of things that aren't cancerous that can cause similar symptoms, and they might include things like fibroids, which are um, usually non cancerous growths in the uterus, most commonly found in um, premenopausal women. Um, There's also things like cervical polyps, again, they're non cancerous um, little growths in the cervix that can cause bleeding. Um, your your STIs, so things like chlamydia, for example, can cause um, irregular vaginal bleeding, abnormal discharge. Um, Pelvic floor um, dysfunction can cause pain during sex. Um, And then, you know, sometimes we pick up just abnormal cervical cells that we might consider as being precancerous, but Mm -hmm. aren't actually cervical cancer. And can be effectively treated before they um, develop into anything nasty.
0: Okay, so if um, I guess if women um, are having some of these uh, these uh, symptoms that you've uh, spoken about, Steph, uh, Steph, um, uh, but they've had normal um, cervical uh, screening or a Pap smear in the past, uh, what would you recommend that they do now?
1: So I always tell um, my patients not to ignore any of these symptoms, mm. um, even if they think, oh, well, you know, I had a normal cervical screening test last year, so I must be fine. Yeah. Um, don't ever think that. If you have got any concerning symptoms like the irregular bleeding, like the bleeding or pain sex, Yeah. sex,
0: um,
1: I think it's really important that you organise an appointment to discuss that with your doctor will then usually, you know, ask you questions about your symptoms and usually get a bit of information about your sexual history as well. Yeah. And that will um, help them decide what tests might be necessary. Mm-hmm. So sometimes this might actually be, you know, repeating the cervical test um, plus any additional tests, for example, um, testing for sexually transmitted infections. You might need blood tests. You might need scans, by culture for example.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's I think great.
1: That's the, main thing yep. to, the main thing to remember is that tests that we do for people with symptoms um, may be different to tests that we do for screening. Because the room screening is looking at a population of people who are otherwise well, and mm-hmm. don't have any symptoms.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's good advice, I think, yeah, for women with symptoms just for I guess that peace of mind, Steph. You know, you should go and go and see a yeah. doctor if you if you're having any of these uh, these symptoms. But, um, Steph, I would just like to thank you for you, for your time. As I said, I know you are on uh, holidays with the family in New Zealand at the moment, so I really appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us. It was, it was important because, as I said, we are um, getting these questions um, after the <laughs> after the podcast and your article. So appreciate your time to spend with us and to answer some of these questions and hopefully. And I'm sure it will. It'll it'll um, it'll help you know more people, and hopefully more people will um, listen to the podcast, and then you know they'll go out and and they will do their their cervical screening. So thank you again okay. for your time.
1: That's all right. Thanks for having me, Brett. And, and have a have um, a great. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm on holiday, but it's, um I think it's a really important topic and one that I'm quite passionate about, and I know that awesome. um you know I'll, I'll get women who come in and say. It's been it's been so long. I'm really overdue. Um, which, by the way, you know, there's no judgment. I'm just happy that they're there. To yeah. Have their test done. Absolutely. Even if it is overdue. So yeah. Um, I would really encourage anyone who has been putting it off or holding back. Yeah. Um, to, to come in, and if you feel more comfortable taking your own sample, or well, you know, you may be actually able to do that now.
0: If you're eligible for that, they can do that as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Awesome, thanks, Steph. Thanks again. Have a great okay. rest of the holiday, and we look forward to having you back in Melbourne soon.
1: Thanks a lot. All right,
0: it. thanks, Steph. See nice. ya. Bye. Well, there you go. Um, that was really good that uh, Steph could jump on on our holidays, as as she said. You know, it's a really important uh, topic at the moment, and something that she's very passionate about. So, um, I hope uh, all the listeners. Um, do get something out of this and uh, if nothing else um, if you are um, having any symptoms that you do uh, go and see your GP and and do the the cervical screening so until next time thank you and hopefully um, I'll have the doctor Dr Floyd back next time as well so thank you and we'll speak to you soon goodbye